Well, hey, good morning, Sailorville Church. How are we doing? Great to be here with you. I'm Pastor Jason. We are back in the book of James this morning. We took a week off last Sunday uh, for a really important message from Pastor Pat, who gave us a biblical perspective on what is happening in the Middle East right now, a really, really important word from God's word. And actually, if you haven't listened to that message yet, check that out. I won't be offended if you get up and leave right now to go listen to that message. That'd be, that's okay, right? It's that important. Next week, we're actually hearing, as Curtis talked about during our missions conference, from Lucas Baer. Lucas and Teresa are missionaries to Brazil, and uh, Lucas will be here with a special, special message during our missions conference weekend. But today, we are back in the book of James with the next passage in our series, Keeping It Real, Keeping It Real. So James is writing inspired scripture to a bunch of Hebrew Christians. These are Jewish people who have been uh, sc- scattered all, out, all over Asia Minor because they've been dispersed, uh, because they've been persecuted for their faith. So they're, they're, they're dispersing. They're being tested. And James says to them, and then he says to us today, the way you respond to tests and trials, that's a pretty good indicator of where you're putting your trust. So we've seen that over the last several weeks already in this series. But you might be sitting here this morning and saying, but James, it's been kind of a week in my life, right? It's been difficult. I mean, I've failed like so many times. I want to pass the tests. I want to win in the trials. I want to have faith. I want to remain steadfast. You might even say, I want that crown of life that you talked about earlier in James chapter 1, but every time a trial shows up, I feel like it catches me off guard. Like the tough stuff in life just seems to always knock me over. And so you might be asking this morning a really good question. How can I be better prepared for the difficulties that I know I'm going to face? So when I lose my job, when I get the health diagnosis that I wasn't looking forward to, when my bank account runs dry, when my relationships are failing, when it seems like I just can't say no to sin, James, how how can I prepare to face the inevitable trials and tests and temptations of life? And the answer 2,000 years ago in this passage, and then for us today, is essentially this, God's word, the truth, the Bible. And so James says this, if you want to respond well to tests and trials, you have to know and obey the truth. So each of us are there this morning, right? We want to respond well to tests and trials. And James says, you've got to know and obey the truth. So in the face of stress and struggles, start with Scripture. Start with Scripture. But if you're anything like me this morning, there are times when you just sit down to read your Bible, or maybe you come to church on a morning like this to hear a message, or maybe you're in your community group, and it just seems like the Bible and your life are not connecting, right? Like, here's the Bible, and here's your life, and they're on two totally separate tracks, and they just don't ever seem to connect. And so you start saying things like, I'm just not getting anything from my Bible reading. Have you ever said that? Or maybe you even say, the Bible isn't relevant for my life right now. I've heard people say this, I already have Jesus, but I need real answers to my real problems. These are interesting statements. Let me humbly suggest this morning that if God's word isn't making a difference in your life right now, the problem is not with God's word, it's with your life. And maybe more specifically, the problem is in the way you're approaching God's word. 
And so as we get into our passage for today, James says, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, if you've put your faith and trust in the Lord as your Savior, you can actually respond better to the tests and the trials of life by preparing your heart to receive the Word of God. You can do it. And here's how. It's pretty straightforward. And in typical James style, he just lays it out there for us to see. We'll back up to verse 18 in chapter 1, and we'll read all the way through verse 22. Our passage this morning is sandwiched in between there, 19 to 21, but we'll increase that to get some context here this morning as I read it. I want you to see how the focus in these verses is on God's Word, okay? 18 through 22, here we go. Of his own will, he, that's God, brought us, believers, Christians, forth by the word of truth. If you highlight or underline, underline that word of truth. That's the Bible right there. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness that God requires. And then therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, here's that phrase again, the implanted word, that's the truth, the gospel, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word. Last time there, that's the word, and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So the way, the main, one of the main themes throughout these verses is this. The key to overcoming trials is the correct approach to the word of God. The key to overcoming trials is a correct approach to the word of God, the Bible, the truth. And here's what I notice about myself, and maybe you find this in your own life here this morning the way I respond to truth is directly related to the way I receive truth. The way I respond to truth is directly related to the way I receive truth. So James gives us really practical ways to prepare our hearts to receive truth here this morning. Before we even open our Bibles or listen to a message like this one or have a conversation with another believer, these are practical truths. My hope and prayer is this morning that you'll come back to this passage over and over in your own mind, in your own meditation, your own Bible reading, and you'll be able to apply the practices that we're going to learn here this morning together. Okay, so here's how James does this. He gives us five ways to prepare our hearts before we even open our Bibles. So five ways to prepare your heart before you open your Bible. It's real simple, but it's hard to apply sometimes. Number one, first, be quick to hear. It's right out of the verse 19, right? It says in your Bibles, be quick to hear. So James says, if you want to respond well to tests and trials, if you want to have victory over temptation in your life, start with open ears. Be quick to hear. Now, if you've got kids or you're a teacher, this is the season for parent-teacher conferences, right? How many of you have been involved in one of those over the last couple of days? Yeah. So we've had a couple this week uh, with our son Judah. He's 10 years old in fourth grade. And we're noticing a common theme with these parent-teacher conferences. They're using the phrase, Judah struggles with active listening. I have no idea where he gets that. And so when I, when I first heard that, I said, well, what does that mean, active listening? And it's basically when the teacher is talking, you need to pay attention, not just with your ears, but with your eyes and even with your posture. You need to look at who's talking Active listening. Why? Because listening will help you respond well. If you're not listening, you won't learn. If you're not listening, you won't learn. And this is true of us when we approach God's word too. If we're not quick to hear, then we'll miss what God is trying to show us about himself and about us as well. 
Remember Samuel in the Old Testament? Young boy? He hears God's voice and he responds by saying, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Oh, he can take some good counsel from a child in the Old Testament. But how do we actually do this? So when we sit down to read our Bible or when we're hearing God's truth on a Sunday morning, like a morning like this, or when you're watching it later, how can you and I prepare our hearts to lean into truth, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit who's trying to talk to us? How can you and I be better hearers of God's word? So here's one idea to get you started. Approach God's word in listening prayer. Approach God's word in what I'm going to call listening prayer. So quiet the noise. Turn down the chaos as much as you possibly can. Take a deep breath and pray these simple words out loud. Lord, I'm ready to listen. Speak to me through your word. In fact, let's pray that together. It's up on the screen. Ready? Lord, I'm ready to listen. Speak to me through your word. It's simple. It helps prepare our hearts to receive truth. So how, how do we actually do this? When we sit down to read our Bible, we pray this prayer, Lord, I'm ready to listen. Speak to me through your word. So maybe you've said something like this, I'm just not getting anything from my Bible reading. I've been there at times. I think maybe if you read the Bible, you've been there too. And here's my encouragement to you this morning. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't just close your Bible. Just change your approach to the Bible. Here's what I think James would tell us this morning if he were here. Be quick to hear. Approach God's word in listening prayer. Okay? Be quick to hear. Next, he says, be slow to speak. Right there in verse 19, be slow to speak. So this next counsel from James flows naturally from what he just told us. If you want to be prepared to receive and then respond to the truth, you need to first open your ears and then second, close your mouth. Close your mouth. Now, in the spirit of keeping it real here this morning, I'm just going to confess to you that I struggle with keeping my mouth shut sometimes. And if you know me, you know that's true. In the first service, people like amen to that. <laughs> Listen, I wake up in the morning and I roll over and look at Meredith and I want to talk right away. I want to ask her, how'd you sleep? What are we doing today? What's for dinner? What's Judah doing? Who's coming over? What's happening in our lives? I just want to talk right away. And Meredith takes a little more time to wake up in the mornings. And so we actually have this rule now in the morning that I can't start talking until she says something first. <laughs> and so sometimes I just lay there awake staring at her, waiting for her to make a sound. And as soon as she makes a sound, it is on. And I can be three conversations deep before she even opens her eyes, right? I just love to talk. I love it. Every once in a while, my patient wife will look at me and say, why so many words? <laughs> and our son's teachers say the same thing, actually. <laughs> you know, the Old Testament book of Proverbs is full of warnings for people like me and maybe like you who tend to use a lot of words. Look at these out of the New Living Translation, Proverbs chapter 10. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Oof. Some of you need to make that the background on your iPhone. 
put it on a post-it note on your car dashboard or your mirror or something, right? More words leads to more sin, so close your mouth. It's right from the Bible. We weren't allowed to say shut your mouth when I was a kid, but Proverbs says it right there. Here's another one, Proverbs 13. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. You've said things you didn't mean, right? Things that were hurtful. Things that were flippant or sarcastic or rude. Maybe even things that were not true. Words can ruin a moment. You know this. They can ruin a friendship. They can even ruin someone's life. So just keep your mouth shut more often. And James himself, just a few pages from this text this morning in James chapter 3, lays down this vivid illustration. Look at this. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a what? Flame of fire. Are you reading this? In a whole world of darkness, corrupting your entire body, it can set your whole life on fire. And not in a, I like to warm myself around the fire kind of way, right? Because it is set on fire by hell itself. Yikes. If that doesn't make you want to shut your mouth more often, I don't know what will. It's set on fire by hell. Here's what James is telling us in our passage about how to approach God's word. You won't hear from God if you're doing all the talking. Oh my goodness, I need that. God's trying to tell us amazing things through his word. Stop interrupting him. Stop pretending like you've got something better to say. Stop trying to tell everybody what you know and just close your mouth. You might actually learn something. And for me... Here's the truth. When I really dig into this, when I ask myself these hard questions, I realize that what I'm often trying to do when I'm speaking so much is to fill the silence with noise so that I don't have to deal with the truth. So I don't have to do the really hard work of silently examining the depths of my own heart because that might actually reveal something sinful in my life. And sometimes I don't want to go there. And so I talk because it's easier than dealing with the truth that I'm a sinner who desperately needs Jesus every single breath. I've just been soaking in Psalm 131 recently. I just keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. And it's like I got, I'm just not learning this, right? And God says, you got to learn this. I'm going to keep reminding you of it. Check this out from verse 1 and 2 of this short little psalm. Psalm 131, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Watch this. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Oh, I need that. Friends, I want to say that. I want to mean that. I want to declare that as a banner over my life, but I'm not there yet. I still need to work on that kind of silent examination before the Lord. So what can you and I do this week to obey this command to be slow to speak when we're faced with the truth? What can we do? Well, here's another simple prayer to pray just to get us started before we even open our Bibles. Here it is. Lord, calm my soul and quiet my mouth. Let me hear you in the silence. Let's pray that together. Lord, calm my soul and quiet my mouth. Let me hear you in the silence. Can you pray that this week before you even open your Bible? And then open it up and ask him to show you things about him and about you that you've never seen before. And don't interrupt him while he's talking to you. You might learn something.
Next, James says, be slow to anger, right there in verse 19. So remember, we're still in this context of preparing our hearts to receive God's word so that we can respond rightly to tests and trials and temptations. And we've already seen that James tells us, open, open your ears and, and close your mouths. And now he says, watch your emotions. Be careful how you react to truth. And we don't have enough time to really open this one up here this morning. we we'll dig a little bit deeper in the podcast this week maybe. But I think what James is driving at is this. How do you and I respond when the Bible steps on our toes? So when the truth that you read or that you hear is uncomfortable, or maybe to put it in the context of relationships, how do you react when someone confronts you with sin in your life? What's your first response? If you've ever justified or rationalized or minimized or defended or tried to excuse your sin, James is talking to you this morning. See, these are all signs of pride, and they point back to a lack of humility before God. And they're actually stepping stones on a pathway that leads to what James calls anger. Now, the New Testament writers use two words to describe anger, and this is the first one. It's one of, it's one of those words that the New Testament, users, uses, New Testament writers use to describe anger. One of them refers to that fiery or volcanic anger that explodes like a nuclear bomb and destroys everybody around, right? You know that kind of anger. You've seen that. Maybe that's how you respond. When you're a child, it's called a temper tantrum, right? When you're an adult, it shows up in the comment section on social media. That's that kind of explosive anger. This is the kind of anger, it's, the, it's like the pot of water that you put on the stove and it boils over uncontrollably. You've seen that. But actually, James is using the other word for anger. There's two words. This is the other one. This, this word that he uses in James chapter 1 is the kind of emotion that's harder to see on the outside, but it's just as deadly. This is the kind of anger that harbors bitterness. It shows up in long-term resentment. It's a sort of passive-aggressive response to your spouse. It's a silent treatment that you give your roommate when he's hurt your feelings, right? You know this. This is the kind of anger that makes you numb. It's like the water that goes into the freezer and it turns to ice. It's cold. It's hard. It's brittle. Sharp even, right? And this, James says, is how some of you have responded to God's truth. Maybe it was recently. Maybe a friend gently tried to call you out on something and you iced over in resentment. What right does she have to judge me? She has no idea what's going on in my life. And so you resent. You push her away. Or maybe it's been years since that moment of truth. Maybe a community group leader tried to encourage you to grow a little deeper. Or a preacher stepped on your toes a little. Or maybe you read something in scripture that confronted the way you were thinking or living. And you've been bitter ever since. Some of you have been giving God the cold shoulder for a very long time. That's anger. But nobody likes to admit that, right? Nobody wants to be an angry person. So here's a quick quiz. Just ask yourself, when, when you hear these statements, what's your initial reaction to these uncomfortable truths that are right out of Scripture? Is it pride and anger? Are you moving down that direction? Or do you move the direction of humility and confession? So what's your first reaction to these statements? Number one from Matthew chapter 5, love your enemies. Hamas. ISIS, Republicans, <laughs> Democrats, 
Taylor Swift. Just kidding. <laughs> Here's another one. You see it right there. Be anxious for nothing. Right out of Philippians chapter 4. How do you feel about your rent or your mortgage being due? How do you feel about the price of groceries? How do you feel about your future or about your kids? How do you react to uncomfortable truths like be anxious for nothing? How about this one? Store up treasures in heaven. What is your house? What is your car? What is your garage? What is your storage room or your bank account? Say about where your treasure really lies. Avoid all sexual immorality. In the first service, it said, avoid all sexual immortality. That's the opposite of what we're going at here, I think, right? But when you read that, right out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when you read that, what's your response? When you think about your Netflix queue or your browser history or your relationships outside of marriage, when you do deep thinking about your own thought life, what's your reaction? Is it pride and anger or is it humility and confession? What about this one? Pray for those in authority. How about the president you didn't vote for or the school board you don't support or the teacher or the boss or the parent that you didn't choose? What's your immediate reaction to these uncomfortable truths in your life? How do you react to God's word when you don't like what it says? That's tough. Because my guess is right now there are some of you who are listening to this and you've been angry with God for years and you don't want to admit it and you'd never call it that, but that's exactly what it is. It's made you cold and brittle and numb, and you need to confess it. And some of you have justified and rationalized and minimized and ignored your sin for so long that you don't even recognize it as sin anymore, and you wonder why when you open your Bible you don't get anything out of it. It's time for us to say, along with King David, who was caught in his adultery, in his murder, in his deceit, and he cried out in humble confession in Psalm 51, verse 4, against who? Against you, Lord, and only you have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. He got it finally. And here's what we know. If and when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And so next time you get your Bible out, before you even open it up, really, before you open it up, here's a simple prayer of humble confession. Just say out loud before you read your Bible, Lord, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. Prepare my heart to accept your truth. Let's say it together. Lord, I've sinned against you. Forgive me. Prepare my heart to accept your truth. Be quick to hear. (laughs) Open your ears. Be slow to speak. Close your mouth. Slow to anger. Release that in humble confession. And now in James chapter 1, verse 21, he urges us to prepare our hearts to receive the truth by putting away what he calls all filthiness and rampant wickedness. All filthiness and rampant wickedness. Meredith and I are part of a really fun community group this season. We meet on Tuesday nights. There's four couples and like 100 kids. We have a family meal together. We love it. We love it. We love it. We sit around the dining room table, all of us. We laugh. We cry sometimes. We eat way too much ice cream every time. It's amazing. It's perfect. But a few minutes before everybody shows up, my family is going nuts to try to prepare for everybody, right? We got to clean up the house so that when they come, they think we're normal human beings. 
So we set the table and we pick up the toys and we take out the trash and we clean up the bathrooms and then somebody grabs a vacuum from the closet and several months ago we were doing this routine when I learned something, I'm telling you this for the very first time. I don't have any idea why it took me so long to learn this, right? But I'm vacuuming away and I think it's going great and Meredith says, hey, uh, when was the last time you emptied that thing out? And I'm like, emptied what out? And she points to the vacuum and she says, all the junk from the vacuum. When was the last time you cleaned that out? And friends, I'm telling you, I, I'm almost 45 years old and I have a master's degree. And I can honestly say, I didn't one time think about cleaning that vacuum out. And she, said, she looks at me and she says, babe, you need to empty out all the junk regularly or else the vacuum won't work like it's supposed to. Duh. And one of the things that sometimes happens in our community group, and I bet it happens in your group too, is that God will use a passage that we're reading or a comment from someone in the group or maybe even something that stuck out from a Sunday sermon. God will use that little piece of truth to remind us that there's some junk in one of our lives that needs to be emptied out. That there's a pile of sin that we need to repent of. And so the word of God can do what it's supposed to do. And you know what happens when we do that? When we, when we put aside all the filthiness and wickedness, when we put aside all that sin in our lives, we're able then to be filled up with truth again. When we open our Bibles, our hearts are pure and ready, and we're prepared to hear God's truth, to respond rightly and to grow. Watch how the psalmist put it in Psalm chapter 24. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? Basically, who can approach God? Here's the person that can he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Here's the result. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Friends, complete repentance clears the way for God's blessing. So here's a prayer that will help us put aside every semblance of known sin and purify our hearts as much as we can before we engage with God's word. Very simply, here's the prayer. Lord, I repent completely. I hold nothing back. Fill me now with your truth. Let's say it together. Lord, I repent completely. There you go. I hold nothing back. Fill me now with your truth. Do you see it? You've got to put aside all filthiness, rampant wickedness, to be ready to receive truth so that the word of God can do what it's supposed to do. And then be ready to repent again and again. And again, because just like that dirt in your vacuum, sin has a way of coming back. So we're quick to hear. We're slow to speak. We're slow to anger. We're complete in repentance. And now, James says, be ready to welcome the truth of God's word. So he ends this paragraph by tying it all together. The word of truth that brings salvation to believers, that's the same word of truth that keeps believers saved and will one day ultimately save believers forever. And so lastly this morning, receive with meekness the implanted word. See that again? Receive with meekness the implanted word right there in verse 21. That's a little bit of a mouthful, this phrase, so let's unpack it quickly here, right? The picture here is one of a seed being planted. It's familiar to the original readers of the New Testament. It's familiar with us here in the Midwest, too. Driving in this morning, I'm like, man, I just love the Midwest. We get this, agriculture. James is drawing from the same illustration Jesus used in what we now know as the parable of the sower. It's found in the Gospels. 
And in this story, Jesus compares the hearts of people to the soil in a field. And when the seed, which is the gospel, the truth, lands on different types of soil, there's different results. And so Jesus urges his listeners to have hearts that are like the good soil. They're ready to receive and respond to the truth of the gospel. And so James jumps in on this illustration, and then he applies it to this context. He says, if you want to respond well to tests and trials, if you want to stay strong in the midst of stresses and struggles, before you even open your Bible, before you come to church in the morning, before you turn on that radio sermon, make sure the soil of your heart is ready to receive the truth of God. And I love that little word in our English Bibles that usually translate it receive, right there in verse 21. You see it, right? It's a word that actually means to lay out the welcome mat. Ooh, that's cool. I like that. It carries this idea of inviting, of eagerly accepting something into our lives. And so here's the point. James is giving us another word picture. He's telling us that the gospel, the truth of God, he's telling us to open our arms and to lay out the welcome mat and to eagerly accept truth into our lives. Now, like many of you, Meredith and I have a welcome mat on our front doorstep. We've even got a little sign on the, on the house that says welcome, right? So if you come to our house, we want you to know that we're friendly people and there's a good chance we'll invite you in. But we also have one of those camera doorbells. <laughs> so we know who's at the door. And even though our doormat says welcome, we can actually choose whether or not we want to invite someone in. We can actually choose whether we want to even answer the door. And yes, there have been times when we've heard the doorbell and we've looked at the video and we've pretended not to be home. Not to any of you, okay? Not to any of you. But how many of us do that to the Lord? Everything on the outside seems very welcoming. It's the right words, the right clothes, the right place on Sunday morning. But when the truth shows up on your doorstep, do you invite it in? Not everybody does. Watch this in John chapter 1 in the New Testament. Jesus, that's he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, who invited him in, he gave the right to become children of God, part of the family. No longer a guest, but a family member. And here's what we know. We're sinners. Each and every one of us. We are born in sin, and if we're left on our own, we would spend our whole lives serving ourselves and our own desires. But God created us and desperately wants to have a relationship with each one of us. But because of our sin, we can't get close to God on our own. So God the Father sent Jesus, his Son, to pay the price for our sin through his death. He claimed the victory over sin through his resurrection, and now he's back in heaven preparing a sinless place for those who accept him, who welcome him, who invite him in, who receive him. He's standing at the door knocking. And if you're here this morning or listening sometimes later and you haven't received Jesus, if you've not welcomed him into your life, don't wait. Invite him in. Please, please let us know if that's you. We'd love to show you the truth about how to open the door and let Jesus into your life. And if you are a Christian, if you're a Christ follower here this morning, if you love Jesus, here's a simple prayer you can pray before you even open your Bible. Lord, the door is open for you. I welcome your truth. Let's say that. Lord, the door is open for you. I welcome your truth. 
Can you say that this week before you even open up your Bible? So here's how we'll wrap up this morning. The band will come onto the stage here in a second. This week, you're going to have trials. You will absolutely be tested. There will be temptation in your life. But you've been given the answer. You've been given the solution. You have the weapon. It's the word of God. Are you ready to use it? Are you prepared to receive it? And here's how to prepare your heart before you open your Bible this week. Be quick to hear. Open your ears. We're going to approach God's word in listening prayer. And then we're going to be slow to speak. Before we even open our Bible, we're going to take time for silent examination. Slow to anger. When we're confronted with truth, we're going to respond in humble confession. And then we're going to put away sin, clean house. It's time to get rid of that and open up our lives by totally giving them over to God, completely turning away from sin. And then we're going to welcome the truth. When truth is at our doorstep, it's going to get an eager welcome. We're opening the door and welcoming truth into our hearts and our lives. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, put away sin and welcome the truth. Oh God, we need you. Thank you for your word. Forgive us, Lord, when we close it without doing the work of preparation. Forgive us when we blame you because we're not changing. Lord, make us quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Cause us, Lord, to put aside sin, to repent of all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And then, Lord, allow us to welcome, cause us to invite eagerly to open up our arms and ask you the truth to enter in. Thank you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray.